0: in Springbrook. How about those Chicago Cubs? Yeah! And I wear a jersey every time they win a series. And uh, they're on the way to the World Series. We'll forget about last night. That didn't happen. Okay, just get that out of your mind. that You've been poisoned with doubt. <laughs> well, yeah, it's fun to follow uh, the Cubs or whatever your sports team might be. We, today, are going to continue on our God Quest journey. God Quest. Discover the God you're searching for. So, Excuse me. May I have to advance it for me? Yeah, right, exactly, man. <laughs> yeah, so let's be praying for the Cubs, praying for whatever your favorite team might be. I mean, God listens, he does, but he's a Cub fan, so you have to know that. he really do something special for your team if he actually had them win. And uh, he made us wait so long for the World Series so we could suffer. <laughs> That's what we're talking about today. Why would God allow suffering? Now, we have seen so many events in the last couple of months where so many people have suffered. Now, we're going to play a news clip about the California wildfires. Now, I want you to just imagine that you are the one who lost the home. We're just try to think about what that would be like. Of California's largest wildfires are showing no signs of letting up. The Valley and Butte fires now cover around 216 square miles. They have destroyed 818 homes. The flames threaten more than 15,000 structures. Structures. Investigators believe the Valley fire may have started near a shed in the town of Cobb. Danielle Nottingham is in Middletown, where the flames showed
1: their destructive power. Danielle, good morning. Good morning. This fire is burning an area more than three times the size of Manhattan. And as it continues to threaten neighborhoods, people whose homes are still standing worry they could end up like this. The Valley Fire spread further into Napa County on Tuesday, stretching the resources of crews battling the planes from the air and ground. Some of the volunteers who joined the fight live near Middletown. Nick Francisco and his sons used shovels and chainsaws to beat back the planes threatening their home. Then us another guy down here. It's no good just sitting there watching and doing nothing, so you got to get out and do something. They hope they can keep their home from becoming yet another pile of rubble and ash, which is what many of their neighbors will find when they are allowed to return. Everybody's still evacuated. Hundreds of families have lost their homes. We might be able to get you up there, um, oh, just depending on how, how it is. After waiting in long lines on Tuesday, some evacuees were allowed to return to the burned-out areas with a police escort. Well, this was our house. Betty Curtis and her husband of 37 years, Emery, saw the remains of their retirement home for the first time. The only thing left is the chimney. On Saturday, they had 10 minutes to get out, and on Tuesday, just 15 minutes to survey the damage. We've never seen a fire like this. I'm just happy everybody's still alive. You know, we can, re- we can redo this. Police are increasing patrols after one man was arrested. Deputies say they believe he was planning to loot evacuated homes. One person has died in this fire, and officials believe that number could rise. They're planning to conduct searches with cadaver dogs today. Nora? All right, Danielle, thank you so much.
0: I need a new remote, please. Can you imagine what that must be like? To go through that type of thing where your home is burned almost instantly. You have no time, no warning. 38 people have died. and You know, it's good that we have uh, emotional filters on because if we felt compassion for every person that was on the news, we'd just be in bed crying. <laughs> so, but we pray for these people. We pray for them because they are suffering today. Also, you think about what happened in Las Vegas last week. 550 people wounded and 50 or 60 of those were. Their lives were lost. I mean, imagine if you were in that situation that you had a son or a daughter or a spouse or a relative there who got shot and maybe killed. That would bring it home, wouldn't it? I was talking with a family in the first service, and the woman has a sister in Puerto Rico. And they've been ready for this to happen. They have a concrete house They've got aluminum shutters that do a good job. But the problem is that the infrastructure is down. There really is no electricity. They've been sending them candles. (laughs) I thought that was great. And uh, yeah, what if that was you? Really, you don't even have to think about other people to resonate with suffering. Because we are all suffering today in some way. Might be a very mild type of thing. Might be a very serious type of thing. But this is the most important question that unbelievers will ask you because they can't put it together, which I understand. Why would we have a good God who would let all this pain into the world? You go to the next slide. We're going through our series, God Quest, talking about defending our faith. What is truth we talked about? Is there a God? Is the Bible true? And why do people suffer today? Who is Jesus Christ? And the ultimate question. Now, again, this is a equipped series, as you'll see in the next slide. Uh, we have our discipleship pathway that we've worked on for the last three years, and now we're really putting it into action. And so this is an equip message. Seth, I'm seeking to equip you with the answers to questions that people might ask you about your Christian faith. It's very important. If we're going to be strong disciples. We, we don't have to be experts. That's what everybody says, well, you know, I don't get into it because then they'll ask me questions. No, no, you just share the truth with them. I don't believe in God. Okay, I do. And This is what I think. And so we have to be bold. Pray for boldness as you uh, talk to different people. Next slide. verse Peter 3.15. This is our October memory verse. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Now, We're seeking to help everyone grow as disciples. And a really important part, of course, is knowing the Word of God, memorizing the Word of God, especially verses that would directly encourage you or help you when you're tempted by something. Because when you have a verse in your head, boom, it's right there. And God will bring it to mind and remind you what God's Word says. Now, I know, very hard to memorize. But if you can't memorize, just meditate on the verse during your time alone with God or your your tag time. Well, let's look at the book of Job. This is the main book about suffering. Go to the next slide. It's interesting that Job, as I said before earlier, that uh, you know, it's the oldest book. It was a book that was written first. And why do you think it was written first? Well, so that we could understand, or or, or try to understand, why we go through pain. Look at Job one and two. There is a man in the land of us. Sounds like Dr. Seuss here, uh, whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. They were born to him seven sons and three daughters. That's quite a family. Anybody have seven children? <laughs> well, as we look at this, we see how Job is described. He's blameless. No one can blame him. You mistreated me. You stole from me. You lied to me. It wasn't perfect, but he was an incredibly holy man. He was upright. The idea of righteousness. He feared God. And again, the idea there is not our idea of fear like a haunted house. Uh, but it's the idea of having a respect for God. That He is your Creator. And He is so much more than you are. And that's what we mean to fear God. To acknowledge who God is and the role that He has in your life. And turned away from evil. Right? So he was tempted many times, but he turned away from evil. Let's go to the next slide. Job one three. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. Now, why does it say all that? Well, again, back in the day, you know, your, your financial assets were tied up in your livestock or... They're tied up in your grain or beautiful clothes with all kinds of pearls on them. So we know that he was a very wealthy man. And then it goes on to say, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of these. Oh, thank you, sir. He was the greatest of all the people of these. And I've, I've said he, Job, many times but the Holy Spirit just kind of got me on this one. He was greatest of all people of the East. I mean, he was well known. A well, current day example might be Mark Zuckerberg, the Facebook founder with some other people. <laughs> uh-huh. But yeah, I mean, look how much Facebook has brought us into this new technology communication in terms of Really, how we do a lot of things. And he's well known. People will know that name. Mark Zuckerberg. He's worth $71 billion. And he and his wife have said that they are going to sell uh, 99 shares of Facebook. And then they're going to give it to worthy causes. So, I don't know where Mark is spiritually. But I just want you to get an idea how famous Job was. So, I mean, if Mark Zuckerberg, tragedy came to his life, he lost his whole family for some reason. Facebook blew up, whatever, you know. I mean, that would be him. That's Job. Very well known. I think that's really important to remember because, again, we're reading through it, but... I mean, if it was today, you know, Job's life would be 24-7 news, right? Look What happened to Job? He had all this money and apparently died and that type of thing. And so it really was an example to so many uh, people. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered? Oh, wait a second. We changed things here, didn't we? <laughs> and the Lord said to Satan, what we're seeing here." is a conversation between God and Satan. This gives us a little bit of insight into the supernatural world. Satan is still trying to destroy God even though he knew Jesus Christ died. And you think with all the prophecies and things like that, he'd he'd read the end of the book. (laughs) I guess he probably doesn't believe that. Right? Right? So, here we get to a key issue. Okay, why does God allow evil? So, we think of Satan. He was the archangel. He had a third of the demons, excuse me, the angels, that rebelled with him. And they became demons and then Satan. And that was when evil came in uh, to existence. And then, of course, it was there in the garden with Adam and Eve when they made that unbelievable mistake of eating the fruit. And then, of course, the Bible says that sin entered the world. That God's perfect paradise had been ruined because... They chose to disobey God and eat from that tree when he said no. You know, Satan said, well, you know, you'll be like God. That's why he doesn't want you to take from that tree. It's very familiar, isn't it? So Adam and Eve are kicked out of the garden. And then God's curse, his judgment because of the sin has been the fact that we are all born sinners that need Jesus Christ. And life has just become a lot more difficult on earth for so many reasons, and especially sin. And again, they had free will. They could have done the other thing, but they didn't. So now, all this stuff is going on. You look at hurricanes and wildfires, tornadoes. God never intended that. But it was a result of the earth being cursed. So every time you watch a news report, you can say, All right, you know, there are sinners there. And uh, that's the real problem we have in our world. It's a bunch of sinners who have free will. And so when you talk about where does evil come from? It doesn't come from God. Now he allows it as we will see as we study on. So have you considered my servant Job? And Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? He's saying, listen. Job <laughs> is only honoring and loving you because you gave him everything. Fame, fortune, health, family. Family. You start taking some of those things away and things are going to change. Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. Good life! Why wouldn't he honor you? But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you. To your face. Job. Or excuse me, Satan really thought that that was, was going to happen. If you take all the great things he has and leave him in suffering, there's no doubt that he's going to curse you. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold all that he has in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now why did God allow this? that'll be a long theological discussion, but the bottom line is, I think he allowed this in order that Job might be an example to us. Because when we think about life, we're always trying to avoid pain, right? And that's what daily life is—you know, protecting yourself and your loved ones, and you know, looking forward in the future, and being anxious about those things. But here we have the example of Job. And it was an example to the whole East in that day. And it's been an example for you know, 3,000 years. It just really is powerful. And, and God knew we were going to struggle with this, Right? He knew that we were going to have a hard time because why would a good God let bad things happen to good people? So friends, this subject is not just critical for you to tell someone else. But the first thing is you need to apply it to your life. And I don't care how old you are, you're going to keep experiencing pain and suffering. Some of you are suffering right now. Health, illness, job loss, uh, you know, problems with relationships. We're all suffering to some extent in some areas, some more than others. So Satan was sent out. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And there came a messenger to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. That's not good news. Very painful. Then another person comes in. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. So more servants dying, now the sheep. Verse 18, While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young people. And they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Wow. Eventually he'll suffer from physical pain through, through boils. <laughs> Talk about a worst case scenario. I don't really know what would be worse than that. Now God said don't kill Job. But you can test him. That's exactly what Satan is doing here. How did Job respond? Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. Wow. I don't think I'd react that way. Be in shock. You see, Job was a mature follower of God. And some people say, well, how did Job get through that problem? We've got to realize that God was sustaining him throughout this time of suffering. That's why Job is who Job is. Because he honored God and invited God to to be a part of his life, and he made you know, God was the most important thing. And so, how did Job do it? Well, obviously, God empowered him. So when we have challenges come in our life and we're suffering, again, the, the idea is to turn back to to God and say. I don't know what's going on. I, I'm frustrated. I'm fearful. I, I'm i angry. God, help me. I, this is as I look over the auditorium here. I see so many people who battle cancer and so many other types of problems. And, and you guys need to know, those of you who suffer, that you were examples to me. You inspired me as I... Watch you go through this particular time of suffering. And in a way, when you think about suffering, God uses that to mold us. How does Job respond? He said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You're kind of saying this is a joke here, <laughs> right? <laughs> he bows down and worships, and he had a wife with the gift of discouragement. In all this, Job did not sin or chant God with wrong. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But to have a fan in your corner. I don't know about that. And we kind of, you know, say, what was she doing? I mean, why would a wife do that? Well, friends. If that happened to anybody, the experience that Job had, she did not have the strong faith in God that he had. And she's just saying, give up! Stop fighting this! Just get it over with and die. Now, what did Satan say? about Job if you took all the blessings away from his life. He would curse God, right? I think he was using his wife to get the message through, right? Curse God and die. But he said, or you speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? In all this Job... Did not sin. he did not sin with his lips? Wow! I mean, take some time to go through this passage. Job is an example to us that whatever we're suffering with, God is allowing it and He's using it in our lives and. See, Job didn't know that this cosmic conversation went on in heaven. He didn't know that God <laughs> Satan got together and came up with this cosmic contest. He didn't know any of that. All he knew is that he lost everything. But he still was committed to God. So why does God allow suffering? I am shown that God does not cause evil. Right? We talked about that. Satan and the Garden of Eden. God does not cause evil because He is a good God. But because sin entered the world, there's a lot of evil that goes on because people are sinners. Those who don't know God do not know about the salvation that can be found through Jesus Christ. C.S. Lewis was uh, uh, just a genius in the way he communicated about things related to the Word of God and life. In fact, he, he was an atheist. He said, uh uh-uh, uh, there can be no God when all this evil is going on. I mean, he was a hardcore atheist. <laughs> Very intelligent man. But you know what happened? He writes, My argument against God was that the universe seemed so cruel and unjust. But how had I got this idea of just and unjust? A man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. What was I comparing this universe with when I called it unjust? You see what's happening there? He's mad. He's angry that there's pain and suffering in people's lives. But again, if there's no God, where does he get his standard from? Talk about the Big Bang and things just accidentally happening. Friends. If a person believes that, that there is no God, uh, they're going to suffer. And that's why we're so committed to reaching people for Jesus Christ here at Springburg. God has put in our souls a sense of justice and injustice. Everybody has it, right? Anywhere in the world, if you go sociologically and study different tribes and things like that, they have the belief in some type of God who sets some type of standard because they feel it in their soul, and everybody feels it at some point. You can sear your conscience and just say, "I'm not even considering that anymore," and just check out. And of course, a lot of people do that. But it just doesn't make sense. Why are we angry when somebody shoots another person? Right? Why are we angry? If it's all, it's all a big accident? Is that survival of the fittest? I mean, that's where you really have to go with that type of argument. But when you say there is an almighty God who is just and good, that. Is a standard by which we live our lives. Why does God allow suffering? The second thing is I can be sure that my perspective is limited. My perspective is limited. This really is the answer. We believe there's a God. And what did he say to Isaiah when Isaiah was asking questions? For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. What is God saying to us? You guys don't know what you're talking about. You you can't see the big picture. I'm God. I created you all knowing, all powerful. Uh, Things are going to happen. I have a plan for your life. So it's the idea that there is a God, and I know that God loves me and cherishes me and forgives me, but there's still sin in this world, so I suffer. But if I approach suffering in the right way, with an attitude of dependence on God, asking for wisdom, it will transform your life. You know, the people who have suffered in life, if they have walked close with God, they are unique. Aren't they? Anybody in your life as a Christ follower has gone through great suffering and has hung in there? Well, yeah. That person is a totally different person if that pain had not come into their life. Right? We're molded by the pain that God allows. Not creates, but, but allows. And some of those beautiful people I know have lived a full life. And you listen to everything they went through. And there's just, I mean, there's just something different about them. Because you see, friends, your understanding of who God is and what He values is directly linked to how you're going to view suffering. Okay? So we know that, okay, God allows this. We're not sure why. Why? But He does, He is going to make us more beautiful. In fact, I had a woman who had cancer that attended our church. and She said, I never felt as close to God. This is why it's so important to nurture your relationship with God. Because the more you understand Him and who He is and how He feels about you when troubles come, yeah, it will be painful. You'll ask the question, why God to go through all that? But in the end, you know that there is a God who loves you and a God who is going to walk with you through that pain. This is the boys and triplets. A chance to dedicate them here at Springbrook, and uh, it's funny they were in a little, uh, wagon. So I was talking about it, talking to them, and I say, I said, uh, I said to Paul, I said, "How do you guys do it?" And he says, "All my wife." <laughs> and I said to Tara, "How do you do it?" <laughs> right? Can you imagine that? So you mothers. <laughs> now let's let's just think for a moment. Let's say, well, let's think first about what are these infants, what are they capable of? Okay? What skills do they have? What what can they offer the family? Well, they have one skill which creates a mess every time. They got that one down pretty well. Got to teach them how to control that. (laughs) But otherwise, they just have the capacity to grow to be a full mature adult. Now, what if one of these children miraculously was able to articulate, was able to speak, and said to their parents, What are you doing? Why are you allowing that to happen? I mean, what was the whole birth thing about, man? I thought that was dramatic. But they're not, right? Because they don't have the knowledge or the skills or the experience. And I believe that's uh, the way we need to view it: is That we have the understanding of an infant and God is our parent. And things happen, can't figure them out, but you know that God is your loving Father. Friends, it is so hard. In hospital visitation, of course, we talk with people who are in pain. And that's not a good time. Hey, I know why you're suffering. I heard a message. I want to give you all these points. You have a whiteboard here somewhere? (laughs) You don't do it, Dad. You encourage them. You listen to them. You pour grace upon them. But it's so important that you understand this and really own it spiritually. It is, I know, the biggest battle of my life to accept, you know, what God has done in my life. Small incidents and large issues, it, it just really gets us at the heart. And that's why it's so important. That we understand what's taught in Job. The third reason is I am satisfied that God is at work. He's just molding us. We're just a bunch of clay that he molds to what he wants to be a beautiful treasure. And when he's molding us, it hurts. And we just need to accept that. And that will help you so much in your spiritual life. And again, we are just so averse to pain. uh, Even if you accept it, you're going to go through the whole process. Why is this happening to me? But in the end, you can say, okay, God, I accept this problem. And I pray that You would sustain me through it. Now, that is very hard to do. But that, is the answer? We look at Job 31, 38, one and two. Now I tell you, I mean, the Book of Job is you know a masterpiece in terms of literature, with the writing and the poetry, and so Job suffers, and his friends come right. Good friends. No, they were not good friends. Because their thought, the thought of that day was, if you have suffered, you have sinned. And if you suffer greatly means you sin greatly. That was basically their message. What are you hiding from us, Joe? What have you done? I can't imagine what you did in order to deserve this type of suffering. And this is for 35 chapters. And all of a sudden, God shows up. And He's going to answer Job. And, ah, please go home and read. 38, 39, 40, and 41.
1: Because
0: it's like this. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? He's talking about Job here. Are you trying to counsel me, Job? You, you don't understand. Dress for action like a man. I will question you, God, says to Job, and you'll make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Wow, God really gets to the point, doesn't he? (laughs) All
1: right, I'm here. I'm going to ask
0: your question. Where were you? You weren't around at all. Who, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined this measurement? Surely you know, or who stretched the line upon it? And it goes on like this for like four chapters. I mean, he just keeps hitting them and hitting them and hitting them, and hitting them. basically saying, "You don't understand, and you will not understand, probably on this earth." But I am, I am your father. I created you. And you've got to trust Me. You've got to trust Me. Oh, I was reading through those chapters. and Oh, I wish we could go through it, but not the time. <laughs> well, what happened to Job finally after he heard from God? Well, he had also seven sons and three daughters, so God gave him children again. In all the land there were no... No woman so beautiful as Job's daughters. And their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. God blesses Job more than he did in the first part of his life. Now you're saying, well, I'd like that. When is that coming? Because I haven't seen it. Well, you might not experience it. That's why life is a mystery. And again, the mystery of life we need to take to the feet of Jesus and say, Oh, God, comfort me. Encourage me in this suffering. And God will do wonderful things in your life. So why does God allow suffering? God does not cause evil. This is something you should memorize. And just, you know, have it in your mind. So if anybody asks, you think, Well, I know that question. Again. <laughs> so many people are squirted, but they're going to keep asking me questions. And they're just going to be very aggressive and I'll feel like a fool. I'll be a fool for Jesus if you're going to feel that way, right? <laughs> all you have to do is give them the answer. You've got to wait till the Holy Spirit opens the door of their heart for them to come to Christ. But He's using you. And you say, well, I believe there's a God and all these things happened. and Yeah. And my perspective is limited. I really believe that 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 helps me more than anything in my suffering. I have a limited perspective. And I'm trying to make sense out of things, especially those of us in the States here brought up on the American dream, right? So, the plan, you can do anything. You can be anything. Life is going to be fantastic. And you find out that's not the case. People see, see, if people just realize that they were going to suffer, it'd be easier. A little easier, right? Yep, I know I'm going to have another problem before the year end. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know when it's coming, but, but, but be in the moment with God. And celebrate your relationship with Him. God is molding His children. If you're suffering... And just keep going back to God. Even as you just are so confused and you're so hurt, just keep going back to God. Keep asking the question. Read the passages. Talk to Christian friends. That's one of the most beautiful things about the body of Christ. You know, somebody comes up to me and says they're struggling with this Typically, I know somebody else who's struggling with it as well. Maybe they overcame it or whatever. But we are, you know, disciples that encourage other people in their suffering and preparing us for eternity. The main problem in our minds is that this is the only game. It's all got to happen right here. I gotta have my desires fulfilled and I, I have to experience life to its fullest because we think that eternity is gonna be boring. You know why we think that? Because we're familiar with the things of this world. We know how to satisfy our desires and going to heaven, as we have talked about before playing harps or singing in the choir. It's similar to earth in many ways, but without sin, without pain, without suffering. Every time we suffer, we should think of eternity. It's interesting, you know, as you age and have health problems and that type of thing. I think people embrace the truth of eternity so much more in their lives. They look forward to it. Because they've lived enough years to know, yeah, it's not all going to be wonderful... And we are not in any control. We we all think we're controlling things, you know, moving things around, but you're not. You have to really enter into catastrophic thinking. You go home today and journal, well, that's the worst thing that ever happened to me. Just write it out. And look at it, read it. I can't control that. That's right. But who can? God. God can control. Let us ushers come forward. Dear Heavenly Father, I, I just want to pray for my friends here. This is just uh, beautiful to me, this teaching. And, of course, I've walked with you for many years. And I pray that it would become precious to people who are on their discipleship journey. And that they would understand that you're in charge. And Lord we go through pain and grief and yeah but the foundation is is that you love us and that you're going to carry us through this life. I just pray for anyone who is crying or just overwhelmed and they say I still don't get it. I pray that they would be compassionate to themselves and continue to process it, talk to other Christ followers about it, if they don't get it, that's okay. Because it's the hardest thing to get in life, is understanding what suffering is and why it happens and what's the ultimate result. Lord, we look forward to eternity when we will reign with You. No tears, no sadness, no pain, and no sin. In Christ's name, Amen.